Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Hello, everybody. Tal Elrod. Welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, which, by the way, I'm still thinking we should rename. What do you think about Wake Up? Wake Up with Hal Elrod. I feel like the Achieve Your Goals podcast is how we started, but I feel like that's not where the content really is focused anymore. It used to be really relevant always to helping people achieve their goals. And while you know we still talk about topics, especially like our last, last week's episode was how to make the next six months the best six months of your life. And that was pretty relevant to achieving your goals. But a lot of times I just want to talk about topics that I feel like might best serve you in the moment, right? Recently, we talked to Dr. Zach Bush about the state of the world and your microbiome, which other than your goal of being healthy and living a long time, your microbiome isn't really specific to achieving any of your other goals. We talked recently with Preston Smiles about the realities of racism, also not necessarily relevant to achieving goals. So the point is, The podcast, I feel like, has really evolved, and as each of us evolve, I feel like our work should evolve. And so, anyway, I don't mean to be off too much on a tangent here, but uh, I'm thinking about Wake Up with Hal Elrod because Wake Up, there's multiple meanings of that that really feel relevant to me and, and my work and our relationship and what I'm trying to help you do, such as wake up to your full potential, wake up to the possibilities that are available to you in life wake up to every day to elevate your consciousness, you know, waking up specifically your morning ritual, of course, is always a tie-in or a focus of the podcast. So anyway, I don't know. Let me know. Let me know. If you want to leave a comment, let me know what you think about Wake Up as the name of the podcast. Wake Up with Hal Elrod. Trying to figure it out. All right, let's dive in today. Here's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about what is arguably the essence of life. That's a big statement. Maybe it's a part of the essence of life. It's about living life to your fullest. And that is about being present. Let me explain where this came from. Actually, there's a couple things that uh, this generated from. Number one is, well, 20 years of really learning about this topic of being present. When I was in my early 20s, I read the book, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And uh, the power of now introduced me to the concept that most of us are living either in the future, we're anticipating the future or we're living in the past, fretting over something that happened in the past, but rarely are we fully present in this moment right now. And about a few days ago, my wife and I were sitting outside in the backyard, and uh, we had our feet in the grass, and I think it was morning time, and it was still warm. We live in Austin, Texas. It's always hot here. But uh, we were out back, and I actually sit out there by myself every day as part of my miracle morning, and I usually journal. And I have my feet in the grass, connecting with earth. I'm listening to the birds chirping and, you know, the trees rustling and the squirrels are running around. And so I'm sitting there with my wife and I said, sweetheart, I said, take a moment. And I said, let's be completely silent and just like, let your gaze just kind of peripherally see all of these trees, everything in this backyard and be fully present. Just feel the light breeze on your skin listen to the sounds of the birds and the trees and 
just be silent and let's see how that feels. And she's like, okay, <laughs> I'll, I'm game. I'll try. And so we just sat there for probably 30 seconds, maybe 60 seconds. I don't know. And it was silent. And I said, sweetheart, what did you notice? She said, it was peaceful. I said, what did you hear? She said, I heard the birds chirping. I said, what'd you see? She goes, I saw the trees were really active. I didn't know there's a lot of squirrels and animals that are running through those trees, but they're really active. They move a lot. And I said, what did you feel? She said, I just, I felt the temperature. I felt the air touching my skin. And I said, let me ask you maybe a more important question. Were you worried about anything? And you saw her kind of like look up to the left. She goes, no. I go, yeah. I go, did you have any problems in those moments? Like, were you even aware of anything wrong or how did it feel? How did it feel? Not just your senses. How did it feel emotionally? And she went back to what she said, uh, you know, right before she goes, well, yeah, it was peaceful. Just, it felt nice. And I said, that's life. Like that's the essence of life is the moment. And if you think about it, this moment, now the moment I'm recording, this is not the same moment that you're listening to this, but the moment that you're in right now is the only thing that's real in the world. In the same way that the moment that I'm in is the only thing that's real. Like it's interesting to think about. I remember when I read The Power of Now, again, you know, 20 years ago, I would drive around in my car and I would just zone out in the now. And I would like, again, just totally silent, turn the radio off and just let my vision go peripheral. So I saw every, I tried to see everything at once, not just focusing on one thing, but see like right now, if I do it, I can see a lamp to my left. I can see the microphone in front of me. I can see my computer in front of me. I can see a blanket behind that. I can see books behind that. There's a phone down to my left. There's some pens to my left. There's a filing cabinet to my right, right? So it's interesting when you do that, because most of us, we don't look, I don't know if there's a name for it, but I just call it, you know, going peripheral, where you just, you instead of focusing on one thing, you see everything in your field of vision at one time. And that is one, I'm going to give you guys some tips today on how to, how to be fully present after we talk about why and the benefits and that sort of thing. I'll give you some tips at the end, but this is one of them, by the way, is just to go peripheral with your vision, where you see everything in your field of vision and actually name it. But what do I see? And, and just like I just did, right? I see this, I see that, I see this. And it's amazing how, you know, you can see a million things, probably literally, although maybe your brain can't process the million of them, but you can see, you know, seemingly infinite things. You can see everything all at one time. And the same is true with all of your senses. If you do it with your hearing, right? You stop and you go, what can I hear? One thing you can hear is the silence. Isn't that interesting? The first thing when you stop to listen, if, there, if there's no, not a lot of noise, is you can hear the silence, which is a very odd thing to think. How do you hear silence? But you can. And then usually you'll hear maybe the low humming of the air conditioning or people outside or in the next room. Maybe you'll hear your, the shuffling of your feet or something like that, right? But you can hear everything all at once. In fact, I was introduced to meditation years ago. I think it was by Michael Ellsberg, but it was where instead of trying to quiet your mind and zone out everything, it was the opposite where you'd try to take in everything. So it's like you do the peripheral vision. You try to see everything while you hear everything, while you feel everything. And it's, it's a really powerful meditation. It's, it's really unique because it's very counterintuitive to what most of us have been taught when it comes to how to, how to meditate. So anyway, back to the story, I'm sitting out there with my wife and you know, I just kind of, we talked about how beautiful it is to be present and that 
we're so busy all the time. We're so busy doing, and we're so busy trying, and we're so busy striving, and we're so busy, again, in the future. And I'll read my journal entry about that here in a minute, but that we're not fully present. We're not fully present. And if you're not fully present, you're not actually living your life to the fullest. You're living some illusion of either your past or your future life. But again, those aren't real. The future doesn't exist yet. And when it exists, it will exist in this moment, right? Now, that's all there ever is, is now, this moment. This moment right now that you're listening to this is happening across the world in every country, right? I mean, everywhere in the universe, like everywhere. This moment is happening. It's occurring for people of all races and that live everywhere and all ages. And like this moment is the only thing that is real, but most of us were not present to this moment. So what my wife and I decided is I proposed it or she did, but one of us proposed that we should create a practice for or with our children, for and with our children, of uh, presence, of stillness, of silence, of, in layman's terms, I just said, you know, we need to have rituals with them where we do nothing. And we went on to kind of talk about how we feel like they're overstimulated, right? It's like, and if they're not stimulated, they're, they're craving it. They always want stimulation. They want to do something, talk about something, see something, be with friends. They, they, they're never okay just being still. And I, and I feel like I own that, you know, that I've nurtured, I think, for them, that ability to be distracted and to always be stimulated. And so I th- my wife and I decided we need to create a ritual of doing nothing. Oh, actually, so this was just the other day because yesterday we did our first day of doing nothing with the kids. So I think it was must have been Saturday that we had this realization. And then Sunday, yesterday, we said, hey, kids, we have an announcement to make, something new we're going to do. <laughs> and we knew where this was, how this was probably going to be received by them. We go, we're going to have a new ritual where we're going to start weekly, but we'll probably do it daily. But let's just start today. Just We're going to do it once. And it's a ritual. Where we're going to do nothing for like 20, 30 minutes. And of course, they groaned and, you know, my daughter's 10, my son is seven, which I used to meditate with my son all the time. I need to get back to that because I was actually surprised that he was groaning. I thought he'd be into it because we've meditated quite a bit and they're resisting and they're groaning and grunting and they don't want to do it. And we said, hey, look, it's family day, which, you know, Sundays are our family day, no friends. We're always just together with each other. And uh, we said, we're going to do, we'll start with 20 minutes. We'll do 20 minutes of stillness, 20 minutes of doing nothing. And then we'll have a family meeting where we established our family values, which was really cool. And we've been, that's been on our list for a long time. And then uh, we went and played top golf. And then anyway, whatever. The rest of the day is, is incon- well, it's not inconsequential because when I explain to you what happened, uh, you'll see how powerful this was. So we went into our family room, which has a couch on one side and then two kind of nice comfy chairs opposite on the other side with a big square ottoman table in the middle and with fabric. It's kind of soft. And so my daughter laid on the couch and my son sat in the chair. My wife sat in the chair and I sat at my daughter's feet. And we said, look, this is not strict. If you have something that comes up and you have a question or you need to ask that, that's fine. And we gave them some really brief coaching. We said, look, here's some, you know, when you sit there, if your mind is wandering, that's normal. What can help is to focus on either your breathing and just, you know, breathe in, breathe out, just focus on your breath, those sensations. Or we, I said, one thing I really like to do when I sit in silence is just, if I do have thoughts, 
instead of letting my thoughts kind of run me and be random, I like to be intentional and choose thoughts that make me feel good. I said, so you might think about things that you're grateful for or things that make you happy, things that make you smile. And I said, when you think about them, literally, you may smile because if you're thinking about things that make you smile, things that make you happy, well, you know, that that's a natural physical reaction. In fact, I smile right now as I say that. And, uh, and they're like, ugh. Well, okay, whatever, right? They're they're not they're not into it, not excited. And we we sat there, we set a timer, and we sat there for twenty minutes. And probably about five minutes in, my son goes, "Can I check the timer?" And he was antsy. He was actually more antsy, uh, I thought, than he would be. And my daughter didn't move a muscle for twenty minutes. My daughter, ten-year-old daughter, sat there for twenty minutes in total silence, didn't say a word. Uh, my son, who's seven, a little more antsy, and. At the end, the timer went off, and uh, we asked him how that was. And my son said, it was really hard. I, well, yeah, I, was, I was just like, oh, I was really, I wanted to do something the whole time. And my daughter said, that was actually really nice. It was nice. It wasn't as bad as I thought. It was actually kind of nice. And my wife asked, do you feel better or worse? How do you feel compared to when you started? She goes, I feel better. Like, I feel calm. And here's the cool part, you guys. When we, that day, then we went to Top Golf, and I'll you know I'll be transparent here. Our kids are kids, right? They're you know they sometimes have attitudes, and sometimes they fight with each other, and, and this and that, and sometimes they're not agreeable, right? In fact, my daughter, we teach <laughs> her, "Ugh" is like her most common response right now. She's in the "Ugh" phase, like, "See, we're gonna do this." "Ugh, I don't want to." "Ugh, I don't want that for dinner." "Ugh, I don't." We're like you know we're considering banning "Ugh" from her vocabulary. So we we go to Top Golf and. Whenever something wouldn't go according to what my kids wanted, from the from that moment that we did the the morning stillness, and then by the way, I mentioned that we did establish our family values. And my daughter wrote on a big whiteboard sized post-it note, one of those big giant post-it notes, like three feet by two feet, with a marker. We would each go take turns saying what a value of our family was. And it was things like gratitude and inclusivity and integrity and playfulness. And, you know, most of these were given by our kids. And then my wife and I kind of, you know, interjected where we saw appropriate. But we wrote up these family values. And then we talked about what each of the values meant and that we as Elrods, right, these are our family values. And we want to really live in alignment with these values. We were going to keep reviewing them and talking about them. And then every day, support each other and encourage each other and, and even hold each other accountable to live in alignment with our family values. And the kids were, you know, they were on board. So I don't know if it was just the stillness or the family values or both, but we went out for the rest of the day. And here's the point. I don't need to give you all the details. I'll just tell you this. Our children were noticeably different in a positive way. Our children were, they were more agreeable and they were more patient and they were more just loving. And they actually were happier and less irritated and all. I mean, it was noticeable. It was it was pretty extraordinary. And uh, when we acknowledge them, we're like, wow, thank you. You know, always, of course, you try to reward good behavior, acknowledge good behavior. So every time they would be patient or loving or kind or gentle or agreeable or, you know, whatever, whatever the positive attribute was, whenever they were living in alignment with the Elrod family values, we acknowledged them. And it was really beautiful. And what's interesting, we then now on the weekends, our kids get an hour of screen time on Saturday and an hour of screen time of Sunday, meaning they get to play a usually a video game or something. And that's it. They don't get to play during the week, just one hour on Saturday, one hour on Sunday. And they always fight us on that normally and they want more time. 
And my wife and I were, we actually were driving home from Topgolf and my wife told our kids, they said, I'm actually kind of, I know you guys get screen time, but part of me is like nervous to give it to you because you guys are being, you're being your best selves right now. And I, I just, I hope that the screen doesn't change that at all. And and long story short, uh, it didn't. And they were peaceful and all day. I mean, it was really amazing. And so today our plan is to do 10 to 20 minutes minimum every day. So yesterday was our first day. It went really well, 20 minutes. We'll see how it goes today. So I wanted to share that with you because it happened yesterday. It's a very relevant and recent story. But in terms of the power of presence, the power of mindfulness, the power of spending time in silence, because it's not just kids that are overstimulated. It's adults, right? We are overstimulated. We're overstimulated with our phones probably more than anything on our phone, than on our computer, than on the TV, right? I mean, we're, we're constantly stimulated. And when we're stimulated, think about it. When you're looking at your phone, you're rarely fully present. You're looking at something. I guess that you could probably argue that you could say, well, I am present. I'm totally focused on the thing I'm looking at on my phone. But I want to read this journal entry to you. It's a short journal entry, but I think it will really set up the rest of the podcast today. And the title of this, what I do is when I write the journal entry, I always don't, I usually don't know what I'm going to write about when I start my daily journal entry. And then at the end, I usually try to give it a title that sums it up so that when I'm going through my journal at the top, I can find the title and I can kind of be clear on what is this one about? And then I can dive in if I want to revisit or relearn something or realize something. So this one says, be present and stop living in the future. This was written on June 24th. So what was that? Uh, 12 days ago. It says, I woke up at 4.02 a.m. feeling good. I got out of bed at 4.30, did my miracle morning ritual. First, a sodium bicarbonate lemon juice shot which by the way, that's taking like a food grade baking soda, mixing with lemon juice, and it puts your body in an alkaline state. That's why I do that. Followed by jasmine green tea with a splash of oat milk. Then I meditated for 15 minutes and prayed, then read the 15 commitments of conscious leadership. I'm on commitment number two, learning through curiosity, which is a huge area of improvement for me. Then I stretched for a few minutes and decided to go for a bike ride around the neighborhood, which I haven't done in a long time. I really enjoyed it and I need slash want to exercise more. So I put in my schedule to do every morning and I have done it every morning except one, I think, by the way. And then here we go. This is where we get into the really topic of today. By the way, though, when I'm bike riding around the neighborhood and I'm just thinking I'm fully present, I'm in the moment the trees are beautiful, the sky is beautiful, the clouds are beautiful. So I'm just throwing that out there. You know, being in nature is a really great way to get present because typically there's not, we're not being stimulated by electronics or that sort of thing. All right, so back to the journal entry. Now I am sitting in the backyard with my feet on the grass, enjoying the symphony of birds and animals while my body is connected to the earth. And I'm reminded that this is what life is about, just living. We slash I get so caught up in doing that we slash I distract ourselves from the truth. Life is for living. There is nothing we need to do and the actual doing slash pursuing for the sake of altering the future causes us to miss out on the present, which is life. And it's the only thing that's real. We spend our lives pursuing the future and thereby missing out on our lives. And the future we are pursuing never comes because when we get quote unquote there, we are never actually there because we are always already in pursuit of another future. It's not until we become aware of the fact slash possibility that we're rarely fully present 
that we can begin to consciously shift to being fully present. This moment is always perfect, and this moment is life. Thus, being fully present is living life to the fullest. This afternoon, I got to practice being fully present when I went wake surfing with Mike McCarthy and about a dozen GoBundance brothers in order to ride the wave. I had to be fully present, intensely present. In those moments, I'm not thinking about the future or past. I'm not concerned with or worried about anything. There are no problems in my consciousness. I am fully present and truly living life. So the question is, what can I learn from wake surfing that I can apply to my everyday life and level of consciousness? So I'm going to invite you right now to be fully present. I'll give you some silence. I want you to be fully present like I invited my wife to do. And as you're fully present, listen to the sounds. Have your vision go peripheral. See everything in your vision. Notice it all and just be present. This moment is all that's real. And all too often, we're creating problems in our minds based on a past or a future moment. But when I look around the room right now, I don't have any problems in here. It's just me. It's just this moment. And by the way, it doesn't mean that there aren't situations that need to be addressed. Absolutely, right? We've got to deal with column problems, although I did a podcast episode did I already mention this? I don't remember, but a few months ago or a month or two ago called How to Solve All Your Problems. And it was basically the idea that there are no problems, only situations. You might not like a situation, but the idea of problem, that's a label. In fact, I'm reading a book right now. One of the books I'm reading, I mentioned last week, is called Loving What Is. And she simply reminds me and the reader that what causes us suffering, there's nothing that causes us suffering other than our thoughts about the things that we think are causing us suffering. And so being present, it doesn't mean that you don't think about the future or the past, but think of it this way. Most of us are present, I mean, very little. I don't know the percentage. I don't, right? I don't have a stat on, and everybody's different, but yeah, I'd say most of us are present, you know, it, it just a few percentage points of the time, right? And it's usually only when we have to be like when you're wake surfing, like I mentioned in my journal entry, you're wake surfing, I have to be present or I'm going to fall off the board, right? That's why people, they say, like to rock climb and do these things that are death defying because in that moment you are fully present. And that's when our, we are happiest. We are the most alive. We are living our life to the fullest when we are fully present in this moment. So this isn't to say that there's not value in thinking about the future of the past, but can you shift to be present more of the time. Because when you are fully present, your problems are absent. I'm going to say that again. When you are fully present, your problems are absent. And when I say absent, I mean they are absent from your consciousness, absent from your reality. And here's the thing. What good does it do you to worry and stress all day long about things that are either in the past or in the future? Or even just outside of your current control. Think of it this way. Here's kind of a a good measure as to how often should I be present. If you can't do anything right now to change a circumstance for the better, if right in this moment, think about how many hours, if 24 hours in a day, let's say you sleep eight hours, so 18 conscious hours of the day. Of those 18 hours, how many of those hours are you actually doing something or thinking about something that the thought or action itself is improving a circumstance in your life 
that you want to improve. I would imagine not 18 hours a day, but if you actually were to look at how often are you thinking about those things in a way that doesn't actually, isn't productive, it's just destructive. It's destructive to your emotional well-being, to your psyche, to your physical body, because stress causes a lot of physical challenges of those 18 hours a day. Imagine being present, you know, let's say even half of them, nine hours a day. And then worry the other, you can worry the other nine hours, stress out the other nine hours, right? But think about that. How many of us are present nine hours a day, fully present to the moment, to what's happening? I'll give you a couple examples. In fact, let's dive into the, the how-tos, right? So how do you practice being fully present? How do you make this part of your world so that you can, like my wife and I, in the backyard, staring at the trees, listening to the birds, fully present, realizing that, wow, I feel at peace. I feel calm. I don't feel stressed out. I don't feel worried. I'm not thinking about what I saw on the news last night, which by the way, if you're watching the news, I encourage you to minimize that. But anyway, that's another story. But watching, you know, fear-based media that creates a fear-based reality for us, right? Minimizing that and being in a state of pure peace, joy, calm through consciously choosing to be present. So here's, I'll give you a few tips on how to do this. Number one is to meditate. And when you meditate, when you fully meditate, and it takes practice, when you first start meditating, or if you haven't meditated in a while, your brain typically races with all the thoughts. So you actually, when you're meditating, usually, if you haven't done it for a while, your brain is still in the past and the future, right? You're still thinking about, you're just thinking nonstop. Now, that's why when you're newer to meditation, a guided meditation is really helpful because it helps, you know, you're listening to a voice. So that kind of interrupts your thinking so that you're not thinking about the past and the future and creating stress in the midst of the meditation, which I've experienced that, you know, plenty of times where you're meditating and you're feeling stressed, A, because you're not doing it right, or B, because you're supposed to be meditating and being calm and clear and let yet you're, you're thinking about things that stress you out. So meditation, though, is a practice if you've ever done it where you are fully present, it feels so good. You're so at peace. And that's why focusing on your breath, because if you try to just clear out your mind completely, it's usually futile. Usually it's not, not a successful endeavor. Again, you can get there, but that's why typically when you start meditating, experts in meditation, you know, trainers or coaches or or uh, practitioners will tell you to focus on your breath because usually the brain is seeking to focus on something. And if you don't give it something to focus on, then it'll focus on your problems. And that's why transcendental meditation gives you a mantra to focus on. So like give you a, a single sound or word that you repeat over and over and over and over and over and over again, which helps you to get in that meditative state because it gives your mind something to focus on that doesn't cause stress or anxiety. So it's usually a, not even a, a mantra is usually in, in the world of transcendental meditation, which my wife and I went and got certified in a few years ago. It gives you just a, a non, a word without meaning. Like mine was, oh, I haven't done it in a while. What was mine? I have to look it up. But like, for example, om, om, right? You just om over and over and over and over again, right? Om doesn't have a meaning and the actual frequency provides, it tends to create kind of a calm in your body. So here's the point. Meditation, if you've done it before where you've been totally present to the moment out of your thinking, not thinking about past or future, 
it feels just perfect. It feels incredible. And you realize this is what life's about. Now, society is conditioned us to think that life is about striving and achieving, but I would argue that that's not what life's about because it's this never-ending pursuit of fulfillment that never really comes because you're always striving and achieving for something greater. And when you achieve something greater, you know, and, you, and I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of this, and you see it with people that are really successful, it's like, dude, how much success is enough? Like, right? You know, how much money is enough? How much, like, you know, Jeff Bezos, right? Like, I think you got enough, buddy. You're the richest man in the world, right? I think it's enough. I'd be focusing, how can I give more away? That's, for me, that's how can I give more money away? Anyway, that, that's another topic. But when you are meditating and you are fully present, life is perfect. The moment is perfect. And so meditation is, think of it this way though, you go, well, like, and I've had this thought before where I go, man, I wish I could meditate all day. Like, because when I meditate and I'm really calm and present, fully present, life feels perfect. My problems just kind of, I transcend my problems. I realize my problems are in my head through my thinking. I think myself into problems, but when I'm present, they're not there. And so when you fully meditate and you're fully present, I think to myself, I need to meditate all day because it's only, you know, 10, 20, 30 minutes that I'm getting this beautiful experience. And so here's what you realize, or here's what I'm sharing with you, is that meditation is training. It's like going to the gym. It's your mental and spiritual and emotional gym. When you practice meditation, what it does is it's training you to be present. And then you can take that presence into every other aspect of your day. And the second tip I'm going to give you will give you some examples of how to do that. Take the next, whatever you do next, and it's great if it's something physical like washing the dishes, for example, or making a cup of coffee, or making it, whatever. It literally can be anything. The point is this. So I'll use washing the dishes as an example. Most of us, in fact, this, this is going to be this may be a breakthrough for you. Most of us, think of an activity you don't enjoy doing, okay? And let's say it's washing the dishes. Most people don't love washing the dishes. Some people do, right? And some do because they do it the way that I'm about to explain it, which is being fully present. So this is what being fully present looks like when you are washing the dishes. It means that, again, it's activating all of your senses. So your vision, you can go peripheral or even just Focus on every little aspect of the plate, every chip, every crack, every color, the textures, the shape, the roundness, the distance between the plate and the sink behind it, right? It just use your vision to the fullest, right? So use that sense. And then the, the physically, the sensations, feel the soap, feel the, the plate, how your fingers and hands feel sliding across the plate and across the soap. Feel the warmth of the water on your hands and activate your hearing. Listen, hear the sounds of the water running, bouncing off of the plate. Hear maybe the TV in the background at the same time. Listen to the plate clinking as you pick it up or as you set it down off of the other dishes. So activate all of your senses. If, if there's a smell... Lean in and smell the soapy water, right? So activate all your senses and do that. Make it a game. This is your mindfulness game or your presence game. But here's the point. It's that 
the act of doing the dishes for us is usually a means to an end. Usually we want to get the dishes done as quickly as possible because again, we're living in the future. I want to get these dishes done so that I can go watch TV or go hang out with my kids or go do some work or go make a whatever. Where everything we do, again, if we live in this perpetual mindset, this future mindset where we're not present, everything we do, we're doing as a means to an end to get to the next thing. And in doing so, we're missing out on life. We're missing out on life, the gift that is here right now in this moment, not in the next, because the next is this moment. And then once again, if you're perpetually living in the future, you're never enjoying it. You never arrive. You never get to enjoy anything that you do. Because you're always in pursuit of something different, something better. So going back to the dishes, instead of the dishes being a means to an end, what if dishes were the best thing you could possibly do? Why? Because they're what you're doing in that moment. What if you made a conscious decision that from now on, everything you do is the best thing you've ever done? It's the only thing that is real right now. Why not enjoy it? fully, be fully present to doing those dishes, to making that cup of coffee, to washing your car, to folding your laundry, to going on a walk. Don't be thinking, stop thinking about what you're doing next. Not that you're never going to think about it, but you go, okay, I know that after I do the dishes, I'm going to go watch TV. Great. How long did that take? It took two seconds to think that. It took two seconds to think that, yet we are always thinking about the future. So being fully present gives you access to a state of being that you find is what we're all really after. It's that state of presence. So, and the third tip I'll give you is you've got to create an affirmation around this. And just an affirmation being just a simple written statement that reminds you that I am going to practice being fully present. You can take any of the language from the podcast. If you want to rewind it and wrote down what I just said a minute ago about, and I forgot what it was already, see? But because I'm, I'm present, I'm in this moment. But about, you know, making that decision that every experience, every activity that you do, you'll be fully present and decide it is the best activity of your life because it's the one you're doing now. Why not give all of you to that activity. And by the way, if you apply this to your relationships, imagine how it enhances your relationships when you are fully present with the person that you're talking to, that you're spending time with. You're not thinking about what you're doing later. You're not thinking about tomorrow. You're not thinking about, you're not even in your head just having your own conversation, but you're fully present when you're talking to someone. Look at their face with your peripheral vision. See their eyes and their nose and their mouth moving as they shape words and words come out of their mouth. Listen to the words sent, right? Pay attention to the tone of their voice, the pitch, the tempo, all of it. Be fully present to that conversation. And again, this applies to all of life. Think, use your brain. Your brain's a tool. It's important. It's crucial. You've got to think about the future from time to time. I mean, every day, you got to give a little thought to the future, enough to plan it or prepare for it, but don't live in it. That's the whole point. Don't live in the future. Don't live in the past. Live in the present, because this moment, more often than not, it's perfect. I'm going to leave you with one question that I learned from my coach, Janai Lane, that I had on the podcast a few weeks ago. 
And I've shared this with you once before, I think. I'll probably share it with you many times because I personally forget it. And then every time I read it in my affirmations, I'm like, oh yeah, why do I keep forgetting that? Here's the question. Actually, and let me tee it up real quick. Our brains are problem-creating machines. We're always seeking a problem. We're like, wait, what do I need to fix? What do I need to fix? What do I need to fix? What's wrong in my reality? What's wrong in this situation? What's wrong in the future that I need to prepare for? Our brains are always seeking and trying to grab onto something and typically create a problem. Here's the question, and this helps you get into presence, or at least it helps me. What would be here now if there wasn't a problem to solve? What would be here now if there wasn't a problem to solve? And my answer to that is, is this moment is what would be here. It's what is here. That problem that I'm trying to solve in my head, that I'm stewing over, that I have been stewing over for days or weeks, that's not here right now. Why am I giving my energy and attention and my life, why am I giving my life to a problem when this moment is here now? It's the gift I've been given. You've been given. We've been given this moment. Live it, enjoy it, be fully present. So what would be here now if there wasn't a problem to solve? And that's a question that I ask myself regularly when I catch myself in my head. And the answer to that question, if it's not presence, it's often love or God or perfection, right? That's what's here now in this moment. So whatever it is for you, it might be one of those, it might be something different. But I hope this has been valuable for you. I really do. It's for me, you know, I learned about being present in the moment 20 years ago. And I'd say that I have not been present 99% of the time. But it's something that right now I'm really working on. And uh, I, I try to share things with uh, you guys and gals that, that I'm working on that's valuable for me and I hope will be valuable for you too. So goal achievers, or reading the podcast, Wake Up, what do I call Woke Folks? Would that be the name? Woke Folks? Woke Folks? I don't know. Anyway, well, I hope this is something that you'll take and not just hear, but implement. So go out there. Again, meditation is your daily training. It's like weightlifting for the body, but meditation is your daily training for being present. And remember, you can practice being fully present in every activity that you do and make it the best activity that you have ever done because it's the one you're doing now. So you don't forget this, write down a little affirmation, a few sentences that remind you to start being fully present in everything that you do. All right, I think I'm getting repetitive. That's me forgetting what I just said a few minutes ago and saying it again. So, all right, goal achievers, I love you. I appreciate you. Members of the Miracle Morning community, I love you. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Hope it was valuable. I appreciate you. And I will talk to you all next week. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast.